Today, I have a special treat for you. Camille Gwaudi is going to tell us about her family building journey. She is a celebrity, and lots of celebrities don't talk about donor conception. And of course, it's their business. They don't need to do that. But it is very brave to talk about it. It's very brave because so many people out there are struggling with their infertility problems and they want to get pregnant and they're having a hard time accepting donor conception. And they see all these celebrities who are in their 50s or late 40s getting pregnant by accident or through IVF. And many of them, we know, have used donor conception to build their family, but they're not talking about it. And that continues to perpetuate the shame in this whole industry. So for Camille to come out and talk about her family building journey in this open way is so brave. And we're so appreciative that she's doing that and so appreciative that she's joining us today. This episode was so fantastic. and We had so much to talk about that we had to split it into two pieces. So this is part one and hopefully you'll stay tuned to part two because it's really, really fascinating. Welcome to Donor Conception Conversations. This is the one podcast created exclusively for people who are planning to use donor conception to build their family, or for people who have already built their family with donor conception. I'm your host. My name is Lisa Schumann. I'm a researcher, a therapist, and an expert in donor conception. And over my more than two decades of experience working both in fertility clinics and in my private practice, the Center for Family Building, I've met with thousands of donor-conceived individuals, children, recipients, and donors. And I have learned so much, and I'm here to teach you all that I've learned in this podcast. My guests and I will talk about everything that you need to know to have a better journey to parenthood. If it's about donor conception, we're going to talk about it. And today I have a special guest for you, Camille Gwadi. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then she's going to tell you about herself. So she's an American film and television actress. She's known for many roles, some of which are Daisy in Kick It Up and Mary Cruz Delgado in Prison Break, and also Megan in the CBS series Scorpion. And now she is in in HBO Max Duster, which is very, very exciting, and I can't wait to see it. But most of all, I'm so excited to have her here because she is going to tell you very bravely about her family building journey, and she's doing something that's really incredible, which is sharing something that a lot of celebrities do not share. And so I'm very, very grateful. Thank you so much, Camille, for coming today. Yes, thank you, Lisa, for having me. I was around like, I'm going to say like 38 years old when we started trying, you know, I was a career first type of woman and always had this feeling that if I stopped in the acting world, like they wouldn't accept me back. So it was always in the back of my mind. And, and it wasn't until I was 38 that I was like, oh, you know, I think I'm ready. And I always thought I'm of Latin, you know, Latin. Cuban, Puerto Rican. I was like, oh, you know, how the cliche goes, we can pop out babies like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So I never thought that infertility would have been my issue. I didn't think that was going to be my story. And, you know, month one goes by, month two, month three, month four. And I'm just like, whoa, this is not happening the way that I expected it to. 
I think six months in, my husband's friend said, maybe you guys just go to this fertility doctor and get checked. I have a friend. So we went in and I was still, you know, oblivious to anything. And uh, we took a blood test to get your levels, your AMH levels. And those who have gone through this know that there is, you know, all these levels that you get taken that will give you a pretty good barometer as to where you are um, fertility wise. And my number was 0.54. And I didn't know what that meant. And I said, so what does this mean, doctor? And he's like, well, your insides are not matching your outsides. He's like, you may look young, but uh, your insides are that of a 50 year old. And if you want to get pregnant, you need to do this like now. And that was uh, my first punch in the gut. I didn't understand any of this because I was just, I didn't, I thought we were just going in for a blood test. I didn't think we were going in to, you know, do IVF. I didn't even know what IVF was. That being said, we did our first round of IVF. It didn't work. And then I wanted to switch doctors because this thing happens sometimes where you get a little angry at the doctor (laughs) if it doesn't work or... It's that thing where I was like, well, he must have done something wrong because I know that I can get pregnant. Like, this isn't an issue. This right. shouldn't be an issue. He's lying. Right. You know? Right. So second doctor I found, I loved him. He had a better bedside manner. Dr. Wong, for any of you guys who are who know uh, LA doctors, he was great. I mean, he explained everything to me. He was very positive, but also very informational. And he threw this donor conception into the mix. And I was like, I mean, I'm getting chills just thinking about yeah. it because it was there with my husband. And he starts saying, and you know, uh, there's, and there's always a donor. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, and he did this analogy with like Starburst, right? He put all these same color Starburst in, or different color Starburst in the mix. And, and he goes, this is the color that you need to get pregnant, right? So it's all these other colors. And then there was like, like a ton of other colors. And there was like, one pink one. And he's like, and that's what you need. One egg. He's like, but we have to go through all of these other eggs to get to this one egg. So if you don't want to do that, we have donor conception. My thoughts on that were anger. I was sad. I was also not wanting my husband to hear what this doctor was saying. I immediately felt shame. Mm. Um, I felt like guilty that I waited this long. It gets me upset just even talking about it. I just, I was, I was angry at myself. For all of you out there, you have to listen to what Camille is saying because here she is, this like stunning celebrity and she's having these feelings that everybody has, right? People would probably look at her and can't imagine that you would ever be self-critical or feel insecure about your fertility or about your ability to produce. But this is universal for women, right? This is, you know, it's very natural. So if all of you out there are starting to say, yes, I felt that way too, that's completely normal because this is what women go through, right? It makes you feel so horrible about yourself. You feel broken, right? Yes. Yes. And I remember saying to him, okay, let's just move on from that piece. Just, you know, let's get to the nuts and bolts of this and go back to IVF. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll spare you all the details, but basically, uh, I spent another 
I don't know, four or five rounds doing IVF with him. Um, and the same time I was shooting a show in Atlanta playing a pregnant woman. Wow. And, um, like I I get chills too talking about it. Yeah. Like, and here I'm thinking, this is the universe telling me that, oh, it's a sign. I'm going to get pregnant. I'm playing a pregnant woman. It's going to work perfectly Mm. with the show. They won't have to put a baby bump on me. I'll have the baby bump, you know? So I'm thinking all of these positive thoughts about, about this, but the reality was round one didn't work. IUI didn't work. Because I was shooting a show, they would put me on all these hormones. You know, I couldn't really get back to do IVF. So he's like, well, we'll just get you going with all these hormones and we'll have to fly your husband out at a certain time so that he can do his deed with you. And then you go to an IVF doctor in in Atlanta and you'll get your levels checked to see if, you know, we'll give you progesterone, like crazy, crazy stuff happening. Meanwhile, I can't tell my producers or directors what's happening. So I'm lying saying, oh, I think I have a cyst that burst and I have to go to the hospital this morning and I can't show up for work. Oh my gosh. If they found out that I was trying to get pregnant, like, sorry. I mean, this is before the Me Too and Time's Up. You're right. You know, they would have written me out. I mean, I had one of the producers say, I think we're going to make you lose the, this is the show. I think we're going to make you lose the baby because it's just not sexy for you to be pregnant. Here, wow. all the while, I'm oh my like, gosh. all you want to do is trying have to get yes, yeah. So that was a very, very challenging time for me. But I'll move on from that and just say, you know, because you're in secrecy, and a lot of women I know you guys can understand, or even men can understand that when you're going through IVF or trying to get pregnant and you have to be at work and it's a secret and you haven't told anybody and all the emotions that's built up and there's people in the workplace that are pregnant. I had my other co-star that was pregnant. Oh my gosh. And you know, so what all of that feels like is horrible. It's like having a bad affair (laughs) with people, right? You're having a bad affair. (laughs) You can't tell anybody. That's what it feels like because you're keeping this horrible secret from yeah. people that you can't talk about. Yeah. And the whole world is a trigger. Like yes. everything in your life becomes a trigger. Yeah. And you got to put on that brave smiling face, but inside you're just broken. Mm. With this doctor, I am, um, we did, uh, we transferred 20 of my embryos, me and my husband's embryos, 20. Oh my gosh. Um, and not one of them, not one of them took all the while he was still putting donor conception on the table. And the more times he told me, the more I would take it in. I even had some like sneak. I felt like I was cheating on my husband when I did this. Like I would have sneaky moments by myself, like in my room, just like searching donors, um, just to see how it would feel. Mm. It still didn't feel right. And what it felt like at first was pure honesty. I'll just tell you, I was like, how am I supposed to put another woman's parts in my body and it's not going to be my baby. It's Mm going to be my husband's baby, this woman's with this woman. And where do I have, where do I play the role? Like, yeah, it felt like the biggest FOMO, like fear of missing out on my whole motherhood. Like it didn't even resonate with me. I was jealous of the donor. I was, you know, have this young woman, 
is I'm going to get an egg from this beautiful young woman and it's going to be with my husband. And then I'm this old crotchety woman that's going to have to put this embryo in me and I, and and I'm going to feel okay about this. Yeah. I don't think so. This isn't going to work for me. And, and, And then I have like these thoughts of like, okay, well, I guess like at the end of this all, if I don't feel a connection with my child, I can just always divorce my husband and he can have the baby and nothing to do with me. It's not mine. All of these thoughts. I mean, I'm just being a hundred percent honest because, but now that I'm here, I'm like, oh my gosh, how could I ever think that? I mean, they're valid. Yes. They're valid fears, you know? Yes. But they weren't the truth. Right. And there's a big difference between that. Like I always say to people, like you are absolutely valid in feeling what you feel, but it's not really the truth. It's the truth that this story is telling you, you know, or mm-hmm. your history has been telling. I thought that I was going to have a mini me, you know, mm-hmm. I looked exactly like my mom. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I just envisioned a little girl that I was going to have that looked like me and had dimples and, you know, all the things that we were going to do together. And the truth is that when you are connected to your genes, your genetics that much, then you have to go through a grieving of the loss of what that child that you've been dreaming up, all those IVFs and all those months of you trying to get pregnant, you have to go through that process of grieving what that little baby looked like. And all your hopes and dreams, right? All of it. And... The truth is that when you can shift the lens, genetics doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. All of that pressure that I was putting on myself and all that self-hatred and self-loathing because of this connection to my genes, like none of that matters today. I encourage people because I had a really hard time and I speak to some people who have not a hard time at all. They're just like, yep, done. This is what I have to do. I'm going to do it. But for the most part, it's people, I'm speaking to people who are going through what I went through. Mm -hmm. And so that choice took a very long time. And if you would have spoken to me in the moment of it, I was not going to give up. It's a gambling, right? The doctor kept on saying, you just need one. How long did that take you before, you know, from, would you say from starting your fertility process to saying, okay, I'm going to move forward with the donor. That was about four years. Wow. And yeah, in that time, all these fears that are going through your mind, like, how am I going to be pregnant with somebody else's eggs? How is that going to happen? And how am I going to feel about this person? How am I going to feel about my child? And how am I going to feel about my husband being genetically connected? And did any of those feelings as you were going through those pieces, like starting the process, picking the donor, getting pregnant, did you, as that was happening, did any of those feelings come up for you actually in the moment, in those moments? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to say when I made the choice, I kind of let myself enjoy the process a little bit. Because one, I could have a glass of wine, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> now, now that I, I didn't have that ticking time bomb on me anymore, right? I was like, well, if it's not going to be me, then let me find the girl that I want to be me. But I was suppressing a lot of those fears every day. But the best part of it was that 
the percentage of it working was so much greater with a donor than it was for me. And I had amazing people and support around me. And I had this um, acupuncturist who said, look, what's the number one thing that you want with this, with your child? And I said, I want my child to be healthy. I said, okay, well, the way you're batting right now, <laughs> when it comes to your embryos, what are you gambling for? You're gambling and your embryos might not be healthy. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay. And then it was, you know, I had my last round that I was going to do, which was my like final round. I ended up having to cancel it because I had no eggs. I had no follicles, Wow, which was absolutely like a godsend to me because I wasn't going to stop. I wasn't, unless if I financially, physically, emotionally, I was like, I would cry my eyes out and then I would get back on the horse again. Cry my eyes, I would get back on the horse. And I'm like, wow, this cycle is not going to stop. I need a sign. And your body spoke to you. Yeah. It was almost like when an alcoholic hits rock bottom. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, now it's time to get sober. Like, that's what it was for me. It's like, I hit my rock bottom. Right. But some people don't need to have that rock bottom, I had to have that. Mm -hmm. That was it. That was it. And I had even friends who were like, just wait for next month. You know, maybe next month we'll have more follicles. I'm like, stop. Wow. But it can be fun. You know, the process of choosing your donor can be a lot of fun. My husband and I were going out to like parties and, or we would go out to a restaurant and like, look at the waitress. I'm like, oh, she's kind of cute. What do you think? (laughs) That's so funny. Do you think with the tip, we can just write in, would you want money so we can donate your, would you donate (laughs) your eggs for cash? (laughs) That's so funny. You know, you got to have a little levity in the madness. Yeah. The, The thing is, it's not always an easy road either with donor conception. We had our first donor didn't work. And the second one gave us one embryo. Oh my God. One embryo. So when you are, when I've transferred 20 of my own embryos and zero took now working with just, just one, I was just, I mean, I was like, so scared. Is this going to happen? And, um, but it did, it took. So Camille, with your, the first donor, you finally like said, okay, I'm going to choose a donor. And you find this person, you say, uh-huh. that's it. And you're latching on all your hopes and your dreams and everything, right? All these hopes and dreams in the past, you've had to grieve over. Now you're saying, my family's starting, I'm going to do it. And now you have this egg donor who is so hard to find. You find the one, did she just not produce any eggs or ha- what happened? The irony of this is I'm playing now, again, a 38-week pregnant person. No. Pregnant woman. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I found out that it didn't work while wardrobe was putting the pregnant belly on my stomach and I had my, my, had my laptop out. So my husband FaceTimes me. Wow. So I, he was with the doctor to do his deed. So what happened was she had 17 eggs. She was great, but she did the trigger shot wrong and she ovulated all 17 of her Oh my gosh. Before retrieval. You can't make the story so, up. <laughs> you can't make it up. And I have the proof where they're putting the belly on me and I'm like, tell me, how many did we get? And I saw my husband's face and the doctor's face and I was just like, you, this has got oh to be God. a joke. And the craziest part about it, Lisa, is that 
that day I had to hold a newborn baby in my arms. <laughs> oh my God. And nobody on set knew except for one, one of my friends on set. And I remember they said, quiet on set, uh, baby's coming. And I remember telling everybody before, I'm like, I need a minute, guys. I'm like, I feel nothing because I was so depleted. Like, how could that happen where all of this time now we put everything, like you said, all my hopes and dreams into this donor, and now we have nothing. And now I have to go on to set and I have to hold a newborn baby in my hands. Is this a joke? <laughs> so you know what, Camille? You're an even better actor than people know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, this is crazy. So I, I was like, I need a second because I don't feel anything. I was just empty. And then when that baby came out, I remember they put the baby in my arms. We hadn't even started rolling it. And I just started hysterical crying. Like I've never cried before in my life. Oh my and gosh. my friend knew. My friend who was on the other show with me, she was elite. She was the one who was pregnant on the other show with me. She was in this show and she just came up to me and was like, guys, she needs a minute. It was so, so hard. Oh my God. When you watch The Good Doctor and you see me there, that's my story. That was what was happening in the background. We ended up going with my second choice who ended up, I'm so grateful because the great thing about all of this is, guys, is that when, in hindsight, when you look at it all, if any of those times would have worked, I never would have had my son. So I would be, I'm sure I would be loving my child, whoever that is. But now that I know my son, I can't imagine going through life without him and having any of these other moments with someone else. Mm -hmm. So there's always a silver lining in it all. It's beautiful. So I want to hear about that. But first, could you talk about how you went, first of all, I can't even believe this story. I can't believe that you were able to actually, you know, it's true. The show must go on. I mean, you know, people joke about that, but obviously that is so true. And it's amazing that you're able to do that. How did you recover from that and say, okay, I'm going to get back on the horse and find another donor? How did you summon the energy to do that? I don't know. I mean, if I tell you even more, you know, I think all of the while, while I'm broken with all of this, the donor agency was corrupt. Um, wow. So there was a whole bunch of stuff. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. She's like now being screwed. So I had no choice if I wanted to do, if I wanted to do this again, I had to do it now because of all the things that were happening inside internally. And Part of me always had this other donor in the back of my head, like, cause when you have two that you really like and choosing one, you're just like, okay, let's just do it. But part of me always thought this other donor might've been the one. And so when this oh. happened, I was like, I kind of felt like it was a blessing in disguise. Oh. And then when she got one embryo, I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? Oh. But my doctor was amazing and he knew he was like, this is the golden egg, Camille. We are going to take care of this. This is, and the egg is, was good quality. And he's like, it's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. And so I just put my faith in him and I had a whole bunch of people, you know, a lot of people told me along the way that all these little tips of, you know, act like a granny, walk slow, do the things that you like. And so I watched a lot of movies, ate a lot of good food that I would never eat and mm-hmm. just relaxed. 
But the weird thing is, is that I felt nothing, right? Like every other time I was like, oh, I feel a little something. Maybe I'm pregnant. Oh, my boobs are getting big. Maybe I'm pregnant. Ooh, feel a little tinge going on in here. Maybe I'm pregnant. I felt nothing. So when I got the call from my doctor's office that said that I was pregnant, I think I was in shock. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and when I called my husband, it was just like, I was like, but don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. It's really early. But that little, that little embryo took. It's amazing. So just when you think yeah. something's going to work, it, it doesn't. And then something else does, you know, life always surprises us, right? It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. So this second donor, you already felt like, okay, maybe she's the one, maybe she was the one who was meant to be. So I'm going to go with her. All the while, you're still having trouble with your agency, I, I'm assuming. Um, from what you're saying, it yeah. sounds like there's still all these yeah. crazy, all this craziness. You're still having to deal with all the stuff that you're dealing with, with your career. You're juggling all yeah. the stuff and you're still moving ahead and you're saying, I want to have a baby, so I'm just going to go with this one, and that's it. And were you thinking, I need to make a lot of embryos, or were you thinking, I just want to have one child? If I have one embryo, I'm good. At the time, I was just like, I don't want to go into too many details, but I was like, just get that embryo inside of me, and then I could do say la vie to all, all the rest of this nonsense that was going on. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about second child. I was so focused on just like, get me pregnant get me pregnant. Like I didn't look at the long game of like, I don't even think I, I didn't have that option at the time. Right. So mm -hmm. I feel like for me, I was just like, I don't care. Just, I just want to be pregnant, especially with my age. I was like, didn't really know if I could do it again. There's a part that I always say that I, I, I miss, but when I couldn't get pregnant, I started a nonprofit for foster children. Oh, really? I've always thought, well, the second one was going to come from the foster system. So we would go through a foster to adopt yeah. rather than going through this whole process again. I mean, look, we've created our family in a way that was not what I envisioned and family building can come in all different shapes and sizes. And I said, I was like, this is, and my husband was down for it because originally when I was saying no to donor, I said, let's adopt. I want a clean slate. I want both of us to like, nobody's genes are going to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. If my genes yes. aren't going to get me in there, you're not either. Aren't yes. be in there. Sorry, Charlie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. But he really wanted it. And so I was like, okay, let's just, let's go down this route. And, and we did. And I'm so grateful that we did. Because there's so many other aspects of this that I could do, you know, the carrying and what that feels like being pregnant. And, you know, when I was first thinking about donor conception, like the part that felt icky to me felt amazing wow. when I was pregnant. The pregnancy part, you mean? Mm -hmm. And it was not, it was a challenging pregnancy, but I was so happy. Just, I think, in such a grateful state that I was absorbing all of it. Like, wow. I wanted to be pregnant. I wanted, I've been dreaming of what that felt like. So it was, it was a pretty great experience for me. And I know not everybody has that in general, women who, you know, just get pregnant like that, you know, right. they sometimes have the worst pregnancy and hate it and, oh, get this baby out of me. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
I almost didn't want him to leave. I was like, don't leave. <laughs> don't come back. Oh, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> that's so nice. Yeah. So a lot of people do worry about that. They think, oh my gosh, if I use an egg donor, I'm going to feel so strange. I'm going to feel this disconnection from my own body because I'm going to have this baby in my body that's not genetically connected to me and that feels so strange. And then you know, my husband's going to feel a connection that I'm not going to feel and the baby's going to be inside of me, but he's going to be connected. And it sounds like you didn't yeah. have any of them. But I did have fears for later. Here's the thing. It's like, if we have that opportunity to connect and there's so much nurturing that goes on when we're carrying the baby, make the most of it, right? Because yes. that is our time to connect in a way that your husband, my husband, you know, they can't do. Mm-hmm. So I took that opportunity to do that so much so that like, I was trying to even get my husband to connect. I was like, Hey, you're not a, uh, where I'm at, <laughs> like put your hand on my belly, talk to the baby. Like yeah. I was trying to get him to connect because I was afraid he wasn't going to connect. Wow. Well, I hope you enjoyed part one of the two part series. And if you really love it, here's a little teaser for the next part. This is a a great part that I want people to hear because we can play, you know, God, scientist, whatever you want to call it when we're choosing our donor and say, oh, I want her to have brown hair. I want her to have dimples. I want her to have darker skin like me. I want her to come from this ethnic background. Mm -hmm. And the child will come out how the child comes out. And my child came out looking exactly like my husband. So my worst fear came true because everyone was saying, gosh, he is your twin. He looks exactly like you. I don't see any of Camille in there. 